Hey everybody, welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Nerdy Movie Podcast. It's it's our time for our trilogy of dystopian futures, and we're starting out today with a I consider one of the best ones of the '90s from 1995, although early '96 when it got a, a widescreen release from director Terry Gilliam. We are talking about Twelve Monkeys. Those funky monkeys. Twelve Brad. monkeys. <laughs> I don't know if I it's fair to call this dystopian because I'm just sort of, you know, watching the news and I'm like I think I like their reality better. Just just my, just me. Uh there are 30% more bears in this dystopia, so I think it's fine. Yeah, I, it's I would find it fascinating because not many movies take this many risks even in the you know, mid 90s especially. This film opened in like Late December, early January, depending where you're at, and it literally in, implied that the end of the year, the virus is going to wipe out most of the Earth. And you know, now we are in 2021, and we have been dealing with a virus that, is why, that seems to be getting worse and worse. So it's kind of apropos to do this one, but I think it's a perfect Terry Gilliam movie to talk about, too. We don't usually do as many of his on here so because uh, they're so complex to talk about. But this is one I always love to talk about, and as Bruce and I were talking about earlier, one of Bruce Willis's best works. Yeah, uh, absolutely. His acting in this is actually acting, and it might even be called good acting. It's amazing. Um, I, I agree wonders, with all that. Yeah. yeah. One wonders, like, if this is something he's capable of, what happened, Bruce? Uh, money, what dear happened? boy, I think is the quote. Yeah. No, no, no. Because, like, with Nick Cage, there's, like, Nick Cage trying and Nick Cage cashing the check. Bruce Willis, I don't think, has control over this transformation. I'm just not sure. I have. I think it, <laughs> he, he, yeah, he picked a lot of good roles in the mid '90s, but then I think the action movie paychecks and kind of took over a little uh, while. But every now and then he'll do something good, like Looper. So uh, Looper is another time travel dystopia movie that it's a uh, sequel to this movie. It yeah. literally is just this movie again, except action. I really liked Looper. Um, so I've also seen Hudson Hawk, so I know that not every movie he made in the '90s was good. I just want to point uh, that wasn't out. Wasn't that in '89? I thought that was, was it. '89. I thought it was '91. '91. I thought it was okay. '91. It made it yeah. into the '90s. Yep. Uh, so the thing about this film for me is I don't know that I. So I I am prepared to say some things. I believe this is well done. Like it's just good. It's a good movie. It's made well. It looks. Well, I, th I think it dar darn well looks the way they intend it to look, even though part of the way it looks is so Terry Gilliam that I'm like, did you just have a bunch of shit left over from Brazil? It's kind of almost phoned in, in my view, and to the detriment of this film. But the fact of the matter is, is I think it's all deliberate choices and very well done and executed and shot. And I think that it's, um, it's a film people should take seriously and go see. I don't like it. And I, I, it's, I, I liked it less at the time. I like it a little more now. Maybe I'll come around to liking it and enjoying it a lot more so than liking it is a better phrase. I don't enjoy this film. Um, and I'm just curious, like, do you guys have any sense of that split either? Even if you like it, do you understand where I'm coming from when I say, I don't find this film pleasurable to watch, but I consider it well done? Uh, oh, no, I completely understand. Uh, I'll step in here. So I saw this, uh, I want to say either the week of release or like the week after because I was on vacation. I was a young lad in high school. 
yeah, me guy. and a, me and a couple of friends, we were like, we, we should go see a movie. 12 monkeys looks interesting. Let's go see that. And, um, this was one of the first movies that I would refer to as mind screw movies that I ever saw. Uh, have a, I, I, I was not familiar with Terry Gilliam's work at this point, other than some Monty Python bits, but yeah, yeah. his actual film work like Brazil, I had never seen anything like that. Um, and the junk punk aesthetic of the future, the, 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 is he crazy? Is it real? Um, you know, sleight of hand, the the idea of the closed time loop uh, all blew my mind as a kid. So I don't know that. Uh, but the thing is, I never really revisited this movie until college. And then I didn't revisit it again since then until, uh, re- you know, this week <laughs> um, for this for this uh, podcast. So it's not a movie that I would pick to watch. Like, I never think to myself, man, you know what movie I haven't seen in a while? 12 Monkeys. Like, I think, I'll think that every now and again and go, yep, I saw that a while back. Cool. Unless I had a reason to seek out the movie. Because it's a mind screw. The movie is very depressing to watch in some ways. <laughs> and I don't watch movies generally to be depressed. Um I like this. I like this movie a lot more than other movies in that category, uh, and it is much more watchable than something like *Grave of the Fireflies*. But um, you see what I mean? That—that's my. No, I, I, I think I, it's a very exactly. well-produced movie. It's a very well-acted movie. Uh, it's a very well. The 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 vision the director had is clearly, um, you know, brought to life on cinema. Uh, I was introduced to a lot of interesting concepts when I saw it. I am grateful that I saw this film, but it is not a movie that I go back to again and again and again. Yeah, Yeah. I'm with you there. I also think this movie... So I I think that it's deliberate, and I think that there are many films that deliberately raise and don't answer questions. I'm not saying that that is in some way always not to the movie's benefit, but here, I think this film deliberately and based on its inspiration with La Jetée, which is just a very, like, scene. It's not even really a full film, in my view. I've, I've no, it's a short. But, I mean, it's it's not even a full story. There's no narrative of it. Like, well, it was not told with still photographs. It wasn't told right. as, like, a, but, a movie. <laughs> but there's, there's... No, it's an experiment. Right. But, but even here, so I don't like that this movie doesn't answer anything any of the questions it picks up i I dislike the fact that it at the end of it you haven't learned anything all you've done is asked a bunch of questions in sequence along a person's presented experience and that's not a story in my view i think this thing falls short of being a story i'll disagree with you that it doesn't ever answer any questions i think it leaves some things open and at least a lot of things open-ended but what it does solidify especially at the end and honestly it took me a couple of watching it took me the second watching of this to notice because when i walked out of the theater i thought like you know i was like well that didn't really answer any questions or or do anything it reminded me a lot of memento which is a movie that i actually got angry at because i was like this movie sucks and i hate it Um, (laughs) uh, because i was angry at the end that literally nobody learned to let nobody learned anything and nothing was accomplished um in this film, 
at the very end when the 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 guy with the virus in his bag is on the plane yeah. next to that lady who's in insurance that's one of the scientists from the future that, yeah. I, and it's not like her at a, in an earlier time or anything that is deliberately the scientist in the future and it is very obvious on second viewing the first time i didn't notice that i thought why is this scene here this looks dumb this doesn't make any sense because that lady doesn't show up a super amount of times like she's not on screen no. that much so it's hard to notice unless you're paying attention but she is clearly always shown as the like the lead sign right like uh, yeah i noticed that then but they all kind of blurred like when i first saw this they all kind of blurred together because it, it, you could miss it um it's in that terry gilliam I, style i legitimately don't know if i got it on my first viewing uh, but obviously for this, I prepped. I also did some reading on this one just to see what other people made of it. So uh, obviously it was it, – I can't I can't be sure whether or not I noted that on the first viewing. But I don't think that answers a damn thing either. I, I think there's, an, there's a hint that there might be some resolution there. Um, and I think that it still doesn't – so that's the problem with time travel. So there's also just the time travel problem, which I will say is that in any working model of time travel, you can't make a narrative that goes back and forth between the two times unless you deliberately construct a model of time travel that supports it. Because if you use the sort of jumping from point to point in the river, when you jump to a point in the earlier part of the river and make any change whatsoever, just existing here and increasing the entire mass of the universe by plus one person is also a change. You never get to go back to your future. As soon as you jump backwards, your future is now indeterminate and you can't go back to where you jumped from because the future is now a future of a world with Pat Bruce extra in the past. And that is a different future entirely. You can't go back to your future. Uh, back to the Future actually sort of did this. They never actually go back to exactly the same future as they left. Sometimes the changes are, are minuscule, but they never ever can go back exactly to where they came from because that place is gone. It's destroyed. Um, yeah. Or a and I've talked about that on, my, on, on this podcast before about the damage Marty does in Back to Future right. and Back to Future. But in this one, policy. they are running what, what I'll call the bridge theory. I think there's a true name for this, where while the time machine is active, I'm guessing, it's hard to explain because they don't. But during some... I give them credit for it. Well, but no, they did that because they don't want to, because it won't work, because they, they are clearly trying to have it both ways in this. But yeah, if you say... Well, no, this is clearly you, a closed time loop story. This is... The existence of time travel is but a fixed don't point. Do that. But they do do but that. They don't do it's that. very clear that they, they do that. Nope. They break their rules because they leave voicemails from the past to the future that aren't all there the day before they start going in the past. They, they respond to voicemails as yep. they occur in the narrative. But those voicemails were always going to be there. Like, no, that's but, the thing. But like, they aren't it, always there. So the day before they ever decide to send Bruce Willis back, they should have had both voicemails. And they may may have. The thing is, we don't know so because we're lying on Cole's Then they deliberately viewpoint. sent him back. Cole's, my, Cole's mind's a mess. Yeah, they're also right. – they're not telling Cole everything, clearly. No, but they clearly interact with what Cole is doing. The second voicemail, they come back and go, we got your message. That is interactivity between the past and the future in a concurrent stream. 
And that is the bridge theory, where if you have a year that the time machine is on for the duration of that year, 1996 and 2035 run where it's Monday the 1st in 1996, it is Monday the 1st. Oh, so that's the Bill and Ted theory. And then a day completes. Yes. Like they, they complete all at the same pace while they're linked. That allows interactivity. What's the other show? There was a show that did this as well. As well, uh, where you could have your team in the past send messages to the future and get returns back, and those returns are synchronous, which would make no sense because any message you sent from the past is available the day before your whole team left. Like they should have been able before they get in the time machine to listen to every message past them sent forward. That is, they did that some in Sarah Connor Chronicles yep. a little bit, but yeah, the Bill and Ted uh, answer of I think about going into the future and leaving the trash can, and then the trash can is here that's the problem of of time travel movies and they do split this both ways if they were saying in this film all we're gonna do is try to figure out where the where the virus came from because that is currently unknown the moment they decided to do that they should have had a voicemail already yesterday that told them where it was they didn't actually need to go through with it weirdly enough which is the paradox of that well they they shouldn't have had the voicemail because they never get a voicemail saying it was this person no no but they get the two voicemails they get so two they voicemails, voicemails one, one says, yes it is the 12 two. monkeys and the other one is no is not the 12 monkeys correct and they act differently during the period between on screen the creation of voicemail one or Re- revelation now, that's another thing is too voicemail one is revealed before we see it created so we know that voicemail one's coming but voicemail two isn't that's just, they just, just they, as they mess it recognizes him before she he's gone back to night you know, to world war one right but, but, but the key here is that either they had both voicemails and the future scientists are playing coy at this point or maybe even screwing up maybe they shouldn't have shown that that they okay i'll point this out guys uh now they say it's a it's a tape they have they've been trying to uh, reconstruct it. it's an old tape that somehow they got a hold of somebody went up there and found it so they've already got the tape the tape's not adding information they've just been bad about trying to decipher it so the information they had has been kind of piecemeal but the thing that's the big deal which is they don't know how the time machine doesn't work right they've been sending people back and constantly and they've been showing up in the wrong time period remember cole goes three different time periods so the real issue isn't that the machine isn't the uh, information it's the time machine itself so all these guys have been their guinea pigs so Right, but I'm I'm just saying it this way. Let's just say it this way. Iterative time travel is not really possible in the model that they're presenting, at least to the degree Uh, that they present Time travel of any kind where you go backwards in time is not really possible. Like right, we're throwing okay. physics in the trash can here. We've already No, no, what I'm saying is that, forward, not So, in other words, let's say that the time machine is invented in 2035 on a Tuesday and the first attempt is that next Wednesday. The moment either they invent it or the moment they turn it on, all of their changes in the past happen. Because everything they did subsequently so wednesdays thursdays fridays saturdays trips all happen before that first tuesday right so in theory the moment that the existence of a time machine is known the results of the time machine happen for every point in which you interfaced prior to the creation of the time machine 
So the day you you have a working time machine, every trip that time machine will ever take to a point prior to the creation of the time machine happened right then. Because all the results now exist in your past of every future use of the time machine. Yep. That's the problem. So the day of the first Bruce Willis trip, everything about every Bruce Willis trip should have been there. And it was. Hell, it should have they been just there, did, should, and it was there years before the Bruce Willis trip. And it was there. That's yeah. the point. It was there. The problem is, yeah. from Bruce Willis's perspective, they don't decode. The information is there. The information doesn't change. It's on that tape that's in a garbage heap that they managed to find at a specific time, um, well past all the time travel shenanigans at this point. Um, and as they're decoding it, th things are playing out the way they're meant to play out. It's a completely deterministic closed loop. Yeah. Like the only way to change it would be to remove t would be to remove the existence of a time machine. In fact, Asimov wrote a wonderful story about this. Um, I think it was Asimov, where there's like a whole group of people who time travel constantly to make sure that history plays out the way it's supposed to play out. And in the end, the big revelation is the existence of time travel itself is what's causing history to play out the way it is. Uh, now, the solution is stupid, but the revelation of, my God, we are, we, are, we are the architects of our own imprisonment. Because the thing they're trying to fix is mankind just loses the will to live uh, you know, a million years from this point in time. And we're, we're constantly going back and forth in the time stream to try to fix that. It, yeah, it's, it's like really, it's the kill baby Hitler. End argument. of eternity. End of eternity. Says, that's that's where we go. Yeah, and and Cole says to him, "You, you guys are already dead. It's, we're not trying to stop the plague. We're just trying to get the uh, the all they want is the pure sample, so they can finally make a vaccine. That's the only thing they're after. So if the if that is the, if, you know, and she, when she says she's insurance, she's sitting next to him because. She's going to grab the sample. And well, no, she's going to get infected infectious. and get pulled back at some point, and they're going to take it from her yeah. corpse. It, it, <laughs> and they would have – yeah, and if Cole hadn't pulled his teeth out, he would have been – No, I'm, I'm not arguing the logic of the movie. I'm arguing that the movie's logic is an error. Well, it's time, it's time reason, travel of any kind. It, 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 right. Well, yeah. So it, it, they, 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 they are mostly – I'll say this. I'll give them um, you know, an A, actually. They are mostly block universe deterministic time travel loop, except in so far as the voicemails and their creation go and that stuff. Yeah, I'll give um, you that. And additionally, additionally, the dream sequence alters a little bit as his trips progress, which would imply he's changing the past. Yeah, or and it then simply implies he's a crazy like, person. I mean, but they also, yeah, yeah, which I said would, it's a potential. And then they also act like, and, and unfortunately they also behave as though they expect physical changes to happen. So it's still a little bit broken, no matter which way you slice it, because otherwise they don't like, in other words, once you have the artifacts of time travel, it is not just that the, the past is fixed is that everything is fixed. It's a block universe. They have to. They have no choice to not engage in time travel once the time travel comes into yeah. existence. They must engage in time travel in precisely certain ways. No one ever makes any choice in this. It is just a sculpture. 
Uh, there is all of that. All of our perception and experience of time and choice is an is an illusion, and that this is a sculpture. And if you want to think of it as being a handle on the sculpture, which juts out and has some air in there, that's what time travel is. It's merely two points of the sculpture that touch each other in a way where it's not contiguous with all the rest of the sculpture. And that's it. it. And nobody gets to ever choose to do or not do anything. I, we are water running down. I, I agree. That's the movie's statement. Yes. But but it, it's very hard to do that when they're trying to, say, have story and agency and people making decisions and the past and the future interacting in a way that is familiar to us. In other words, the fact that the human operators of time travel are interrogating him and trying to figure out if it's smart to send him back or not is almost it, it is farcically irrelevant uh, to anything. It is, but they're they, can, they cannot help back. do they're, because they're not making the choice. illusion of right. the illusion of free will must be maintained. You see what I mean? Like that's just simply a yeah. rule of the universe is that you will in all ways act as if you have free will, even if you don't, because otherwise the system doesn't work. And yeah, it doesn't make for a good – is... like, it's a concession to the story. Yeah. It, it... Exactly. Time travel of that concept doesn't make for a good story because it literally doesn't matter. Nothing matters. All concept of consequences go well, yeah, because well, we I know some are Calvinists really just rocks rolling you. downhill. <laughs> I know yeah. some Calvinists yeah. <laughs> would argue with yeah, you. We are just rocks rolling band. downhill. I mean – That's all we Right, are. but the story – basically, you're, you're right. It's a sculpture of a movie – and it's a gorgeous sculpture, but it's one of those sculptures that makes you feel weird and not in a good way. So you can admire it for its aesthetic qualities, even though you don't like them. That's 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 where I'm at with this movie. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Um, and I'm actually 100% in alignment. I'm just saying. I think we're this talking is the time travel problem. Yeah, and this is the issue. What, uh, the this, other thing I don't like is I just don't circles. like making the future look like Brazil. I think it is lazy. <laughs> it refer no, it's lazy of him. It's literally just duping his other film. And, and not in a good way and not to the advantage. It weakens both films. Uh, I think that, you know, like, why do they have 50 fucking wind-up clocks in front of them? Because Derek Gilliam thinks they're cool. There's no possible, you you know, our few, the 1996 technology is better than what they have in 2035. Well, and not in a way that makes any sense. You're not, there's no physical world in which the time machine, or at least they don't even bother to explain it, requires 50 wind-up clocks. It's just dumb. That, or the little that I can actually, cameras. I could actually answer why about all the wind-up clocks. There's a couple things. One, in the script, it seems to imply that everything, because of they had to go underground so fast, they didn't. A lot of stuff got is running on low tech. You know, they they the dug dig tunnels. They're living in basically uh, bomb shelters from the 50s. Uh, so it's pre. So and anything that requires major electricity, they're saving just for specific. Thing. Okay, okay, so, but still, yeah. the, the oh, stupid yeah. eyeball camera they prod at Bruce Willis with. The yeah. thing, oh, some of that is that thing is expensive choices. and difficult and stupid. And and, and I don't well, think they're it, also I think trying it, not to touch him. Right, I think this hurts killer. this movie. I think this hurts this it's, movie. Uh, it, it is too visually Brazil. It is not tonally Brazil. It's a mistake. And I, I'll just straight up say that, Mr. Gilliam, your genius. Uh, is he dead? I don't he's think not so, dead. But uh, or. Okay, Mr. Gilliam, uh, you're a genius, but you fucked this one up. You should so, have done. You shouldn't have just recycled the damn props. I want to push back a little bit on that. So, um, for someone who hadn't seen Brazil, the aesthetic works amazing. Again, I, I called it junk punk earlier because yeah. it's basically post-apocalyptic it, garbage exactly punk, right but with a 
flare towards the plastic and the clockwork and the the uh, the obsessive minutia of over engineering um and it, that aesthetic is is a very 90s aesthetic um like that is kind of how we all thought things because things were being over engineered no. in the 90s you had things with extra garbage stacked st stuck to them i mean it I would never think that looks like anything useful. No, it's I mean, not useful. Never. That's the whole point. Is it's it's garbage no, that they cobbled yeah, together yeah. because they had it. And why does it have not. 14 different windies on it? Well, because they had 14 windies and those windies got to go somewhere, bro. Uh, it, it, it again, it is purely an aesthetic choice. It is there's very I mean, yeah, you can kind of hand wave it with oh, they were underground quickly and they only had garbage. Yeah, but that stuff is awfully polished. But I mean, I love the Stuff you in a plastic bag and then jam you into a hole as time travel. That that made me laugh. I love that aesthetic because it's so grungy and overly complicated in a stupid way that just makes it almost endearing. Well, yeah, but yeah. but you see, the difference is uh, Brazil is a dark comedy. I don't think Twelve Monkeys uh, is. Twelve Monkeys. If you were seen as a dark comedy, absolutely. If you were meant to laugh at this ridiculous stuff, then I would be more down with it. But I, I just didn't get the same humor of all that, you know, all of that, you know, wheezing, belchy, you know, bellowsy crap. Uh, I felt very out of place. Well, I've never and seen maybe Brazil. Maybe it is just because I'd seen Brazil. Maybe yeah. that's the big determiner. Well, I'd seen Brazil before this because I'm just one of those guys who I saw and I saw the bad. Edited. Oh, Actually, I'm so I sorry. On the Criterion edition, so I've seen the bad, but. I mean, I was a big fan of Gilliam also from, you know, Fisher King. So it's different. You know, he, he has different styles when he tries for different things. But now I do want to bring up a couple things. You know, the, the screenwriter, David uh, Peebles, he, he worked on um, uh, Blade Runner. And I definitely see there's a lot of Blade Runner imagery in here, too. And he also worked on Blood of the Heroes, which is a great low-budget dystopian, like, action film with Rutger Howard, too. So... And he also did Unforgiven, which is one of the best westerns of all time. So it's it's kind of a weird mix of different styles for this film too, because there's definitely a western feel to this lone gunman on a quest, which is kind of what Cole is. But I do want to bring up while we're still talking, Brad Pitt's character, who we for it's one of the best misdirects ever. We think he's the villain through almost the entire movie, and you realize, oh no, that that's why the problem. Everyone thought he was the villain. It was just. Once again, yeah. bad intel. Well, I mean, again, and somebody even wrote this. I forget. One of the research things is like, this is his character from Fight Club. Wow, it is. Totally just mm, is. No. I mean, a little bit it's, more frenetic. It but it's Club. different from his Fight Club character um, for a number of reasons. Because uh, unlike the Fight Club character, which had, which whose entire goal was complete nihilistic nothing, uh, this one has a goal. It's not simply to shut down the universe or whatever. It's justice for animals. There is actually a cause that he is working for. But his performance in this, the frenetic insanity, you feel that. Like you really – I'm going to take a little sidebar. I know we talked a lot about how this movie is. But let's talk about the performances. These performances are great. I can't think of a yeah. bad one in here. I think of Pitt, who I, I think this is a little. I, in other words, I think he toned it down and became Tyler Durden, and Tyler Durden is better than this. I think this is a little too full of ticks. I think that's the point, though. He said before he actually think he overdid. They the were a little much. Yeah, I'll admit they were a little much, but you kind of get it because he's in an insane asylum when you first meet him, right. and 
he's meant to sort of you got to remember the overwhelming theme of this movie is discordant there is everything is supposed to jar you everything is supposed to be a little off and a little uncomfortable this is this is putting a glove on that's full of tiny little needles and they're not really there until you like flex your hand and then you feel like half of them but they're not so bad that you take the glove off but they're always there and they're always digging in just enough to let you know it's there it's really irritating like that's the whole movie in a nutshell is do, do you want to do you want to torture yourself with being annoyed at your desk being half an inch to the left every single day that well, go watch this movie it's that feeling like I no I I I I'm not saying it's bad I'm just saying I think he refines and makes a better and more interesting performance by the time he gets in Well I don't like Fight Club but we'll get into that uh later not well i'm just saying better performance i wouldn't i wasn't saying oh yeah yeah definitely a better performance i i i have problems with Mike but but by and large the performances are good um interestingly enough like literally and i she's done a, a ton of movies but i don't think i just have ever really encountered madeline stowe anywhere else much and i loved her in this she's doing a great job of like yeah but you know being a good like there's a lot of i am the doctor who comes around to understand my patient isn't crazy that's a trope basically it's always a female it's harley quinn interest too it's... right yeah it but, is very harley quinn. but i will say she does a really believable job in yes it. um i actually liked christopher Plummer in this as uh as mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. brad pitt's dad just such a yeah i mean it's such a small role really when you get down to it but i really enjoyed it just because he plays that he's got just the right amount of smarm and it comes off mm -hmm. wonderfully yeah, and, and he, you really get the vibe. He knows his son's off, but he's been like, he's that dad. He's like, I, I can handle him. I can handle him. I can handle him. That's that. It's the it's it's the ultimate like dad. I I know he's a you know, like your son's crazy. He goes, yes, but I know how to deal with it, and he, clearly he doesn't. And another thing I really want to bring up is Frank Gorshin's really good in the t couple of minor scenes he's in, and you know that's the Riddler of all things. And he's you really believe he's this guy running the middle hospital yeah that's true uh he's very uh very good i like most of the performances in this uh a couple of the like homeless people Brown like the guy Brown. who gets his teeth who, who encourages cole to pull his teeth out you fucked i'm up, just God. like uh it's just a little much like that guy is a little too scenery chewy now that's a fisher that's a fisher king character that we didn't get like uh, you see that that's a callback to the Fisher King if there ever was. And I know he's in the script. It wasn't supposed to be like Robin Williams, but you get the vibe that that guy is either in Cole's head or he really is one of the time travels and that he, but he's way out of sync with the rest of everybody else. And I do like the fact that Dr. Who kind of has tinkered with that idea, like say with the doctor and uh, uh, river. I mean, the idea is this, he's time traveling too, but he's, he's in a different loop than, Cole is, which makes even their interactions even crazy because they're giving each other information out of order. Well, out of order information is kind of the, the the name of the game, unless you're looking at it through an audience viewpoint, in which case it all makes perfect sense uh, to some degree. Um, the it does a really good job also dealing with the mental health talk too, because like, you know the first half of the movie is mostly. How are we treating mental health patients? Are we are we just doping them up on Thursday? And you realize. Jeffrey's probably just got like some kind of mental problem that's probably treatable, but they don't have him the right dosage. Oh, there's, a, I mean, welcome to a, a stinging indictment of the United States healthcare system. Uh, so, you know, um, there you go. Yeah, no, 
I, I actually, it's a little over the top, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but I mean, the 80s and the early 90s where yep. it's set were not a great period. Um, among a, a general negligence over all of American history, they were in particular also not a great period. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's probably uh, Asperger's with. Bacon. He's a lot of he's a lot of things and a lot of stuff. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, but yeah, uh, oh, but it, the performances are good. I, uh, I actually like. Well, the cinematography is not what I would say is amazing, but it's good. some of it's good. Some um, of it's really good, and some of it's not. It, it's it's I would refer to it as a mixed bag. When they nail it, they nail it. When they don't, it's okay. Yeah. Um, the music. I want to talk about the music because. Paul Buckmaster here doesn't. I, I love the music. Now uh, I know I said I don't see the movie very often, but I'll often go listen to the um, Twelve Monkeys theme when I'm in a mood, uh, because it's incredibly indicative of the kind of movie you're watching. And I just really love the Twelve Monkeys theme with that little electric violin kind of screeching in the background. It's just ugh, it's so good, so good. Yeah, it's very Hitchcocky, and that's. Something we hadn't really brought up is, you know, they go to Hitchcock Marathon when he's putting his makeup on, and it's, it kind of becomes a Hitchcock tribute in many ways. Like, this is like, Hitchcock never really did a sci-fi film, but this is kind of in that vein he would have done. And I like the fact that it, there's so many Hitchcockian elements. Well, there's definitely a tribute to Vertigo film. in it. Um... Oh, oh, absolutely. Vertigo and, to electric extent, yep. uh, North by Northwest, and even Psycho. Because, I mean, we're dealing with all these cases like is he crazy who's the crazy one uh it's different you know layers of like hitchcock throughout this film and i i like the fact that gilliam doesn't make it so obvious even though they're even at a hitchcock marathon in an old theater which i i, I but something else i, I forgot to bring up i love to show how grungy we see philadelphia is in 96 <laughs> it's it's such a, and you're like, what is going on? Like, why is it? And I, like, I had a roommate from my freshman year of college. He's like, no, that's how bad Philadelphia is. And I'm like, yeah, they didn't pull any punches. Some parts of that city were just, you know, uh, looked like a third world country. And they keep it as bad, as as honest as it can be. Can confirm. I don't know. It's just, this is just a great kind of, uh, t you know, timestamp really what the 90s was like, too. Even though, like, you know, we half the films in the, or portions are in the dystopian future. Like the mid the early nineties, the mid nineties were very kind of in this weird period where there's where, you know, we're in dial modem time, you know, we don't have you know, technology is really all over the place. People are watching news to find out if a boy's been uh, delivered a sandwich by a monkey. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. So I twelve monkeys, the nineties were a good time for weird movies, um, with some real heavy trips and uh this is one of the examples of them, and I think yeah. it's well done. Uh, they made a TV series out of it in the 2015. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Two, I haven't seen it, but I've heard. Uh, two seasons on uh, sci-fi, so it had sci-fi channel budget. Oof. So, okay, uh, the guy played, you know, in that one, instead of Jeffrey going to his daughter. Cause sure, why not? I never saw it. Um, I, I, yeah. No, no, no. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, the actor who plays the the time travel isn't cold, but they do a decent job. That one, they make it more crazy time travel stuff. Like if he touches a clock, a, a watch, uh, he opens sure, up that's... time rips and stuff like that, which not not necessary, but it's sci-fi. A wizard have to did it. Yeah, at that point, it becomes a wizard did it. And 
uh, 12 Monkeys is like the kind of movie that A, never needs a sequel, a prequel, or anything, and definitely doesn't need a spinoff TV series. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is... They, well, <laughs> I mean, it made did. a ton of money, so I get why. I mean... Yeah, and it's... Yeah, and which point, Brad Pitt got nominated for a Best Supporting Actor. It got several nominations, more for, like, technical stuff, like costuming and for uh, set decoration. But it's definitely, I would call, uh, for... It was a big comeback for Gilliam. You know, and then he makes Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas a couple of years later, and then he has his debacle, which is his uh, attempt to make the man who killed Don Quixote. Which, if you've ever seen the documentary about that, it's one of the best. What could go wrong went wrong <laughs> documentary. So, um, but I think we kind of need to wrap this up. We're at a good time stamp, I think, before we all start shifting out. What's your final thoughts on this one, guys? Um, I will say that this is a definite recommend to watch. With like an exception or two. The first exception is don't necessarily do this at like on like your popcorn and fun family or date or any kind of like this is movie night. This is a film to approach and engage with the concepts. I don't know. I mean, it's not that you can't have fun with this film. I just don't know that you do. And the second answer is don't necessarily do it if a film that doesn't answer what the things it picks up will bother you as much as maybe it bothered me because when i get down to the why did i dislike it so much at the time i think i just felt like this film wasted my time i i was already sort of down being a child of doctor who and other things with time travel concepts so it didn't it didn't really it didn't really teach me anything new. It just teased me. Uh, so there may be a, a frustration. Like if you're already into this kind of thinking and concepts, you might be frustrated by this film because it doesn't bring you much else. But for those of you who are interested in an, a well-crafted, interesting, well-acted film that kind of superficially touches some of these interesting concepts, I think this is a, as, as good as you'll get. Uh, yeah, so I agree in a lot of ways with Bruce. This is definitely not a happy, fun, feel-good film of the century kind of movie. This is the kind of movie you maybe watch second after, like, on a movie night when you're watching a bunch of heavier films than you would. Like, if you're watching Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter, this is not the movie to follow it with. <laughs> Uh, if you're watching, if you're, if you're going to, if you, if you just feel like tripping, if you're going to trip balls, this is a movie to trip balls to. Um if you just are, I know people who did drop ass. That would be that would be a yeah a that time. would be a bad idea. But if you're just getting you know smoking a little of the devil's lettuce, then I suppose it's probably fine. Um, if you're the kind of person who enjoys cinema for the film for the for the medium of cinema, this is an absolute must. If you're a fan of anything Terry Gilliam has ever done, you need to go see it. Uh, if you thought Primer hurts your head, this is like Primer light. So go see that. Uh, you know, go, go see this movie. Primer is pain wrapped in a tortilla, um, in terms of understanding. So yeah, I give it a, a tentative go see, but again, this is not a date movie. Don't treat it as such. 
I definitely, in our three-pronged category, I definitely call this good. I don't think it's especially nerdy, even though it is a nerdy topic and a lot of nerdiness around time travel. Uh, and I, I definitely don't think it's bad. So even though I, I personally still don't consider it a film I enjoyed or or feel well about, like, want to see or want to share, I definitely think there's a good a good film in here. And it's, it's certainly worthy of consideration and it's worthy of... Uh, the, the respect it's given. Uh, yeah, I'll agree 100% with that statement. Tommy, want to close this out? Yeah, um, I, I think one, you know, I, I own this movie. I've watched it a lot. Maybe shows my mental issues, but I, for one, think it's, if I'm ranking like Terry Gilliam films, it's probably not like no, third best by him. And I think for him, it's really important because I think it really reestablished his career. Now, he shot himself in the foot several times after this. But if you like a good, I mean, it's an experiment. It's also a puzzle. There's so many different layers. The more you watch it, you, you catch more stuff. I, re- I highly recommend it. It's, in my opinion, one of the best time travel movies made. So, guys, if you love it, this movie, please let us know on our uh, Facebook group, Good, Bad, Nerdy Movie Podcast, and also on Twitter. Please write us a review, and folks, well, we're, we got more coming up soon. We're going to be doing Snowpiercer coming up soon, and of course, praise to St. Joe, we're going to be doing Waterworld. Guys, thanks for joining us, and please, 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 don't fuck with your teeth. <laughs> Amen to that, bro.